As you age, the fatigue and failing endurance you feel can't be fixed with more and more caffeine. So introducing a new way to start your day, Super Beats Heart Chews. They're a tasty treat that can give you the energy that you need and are good for you. No more afternoon coffees, energy drinks, or candy for a quick pick-me-up. Add two delicious plant-based Super Beats Heart Chews to your morning routine and promote heart-healthy energy for your day without a caffeine crash. Because Super Beats Heart Chews' unique clinically researched grapeseed extract promotes heart-healthy energy and normal blood pressure, as part of a healthy lifestyle. The grapeseed extract used in Super Beats Heart Chews has been clinically shown to be two times as effective at supporting normal blood pressure as a healthy lifestyle alone. Now, for my listeners only, you can get up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's danasbeats.com. Get up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. That's danasbeats.com. danasbeats.com working to do in order to implement when we get to that point in time. And the last one on this. Now that the Texas governor is saying that he's going to start busing border crossers to Washington, D.C., when they get here, are you guys going to help them find a place to stay and something for them to do? Well, I'm not aware of what authority uh, the governor would be doing that under. I think it's pretty clear this is a publicity stunt. His own uh, yes. office admits that a migrant would need to voluntarily uh, be transported um, and he can't compel them to because, again, enforcement of our country's immigration laws lies with the federal government, not, not a state. Not when we pay for it. And that, that's well, Prince listen, B.U.S. Know, not I when we, oh my gosh, I'm made of opinions. Welcome to the show. I'm Dana Lash. It's Friday. I, I should, greetings and salutations, but I can't help myself. First off, this is garbage, 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 garbage. Let's break this down because I was looking into the cost of it. Before I get into the cost of it, let me just lay this out on the table for you. This is why I say she, first off, I mean, Abbott does have authority. I mean, he's he's got authority to do this. And I'll talk about that here in a little bit. But my my the thing I'm zeroing in on right now, what did she just say? Whose who's, who's federal immigration policy, Kane? She said the federal government. Federal government. The federal government's immigration policy. So the federal government says she's saying that this is the federal government's immigration policy, but yet the Republic of Texas is apparently responsible for not only administering the federal government's immigration policy, but Texas taxpayers are on the hook for, and I misquoted myself to you, Kane, and Miss can I miss myself? Uh, it's actually like you're looking like a billion dollars. You're looking at eight hundred and fifty million dollars on average each year. That is how much Texans pay each year because of illegal immigration. So let me do a roundabout for you, and I'm going to explain to you the the legal framework of this. If you follow me on Instagram, I had thrown up a throwback Thursday kind of picture where I was on ABC debating with George Stephanopoulos. One of my favorite things to do is argue with people. One of my favorite things to do is break down arguments. I like to be able to argue for and against a subject before I go and argue it publicly because I want to anticipate every single argument, every single nuance, every single angle. And I remember, and this was in the wake of Parkland, going to and this all comes back to this headline, by the way. Wait and see. 
And I remember when we were on the way there, this was in the wake of Parkland. I and and it was me alone, and people thought I was nuts for anticipating this. I said, how much do you want to bet that Stephanopoulos is going to go back to the 90s? And he's going to try to find a way, because at the time that this was happening, there were a couple of Republicans privately that were wavering on additional gun control. So a lot rode on this response. A lot rode on this appearance. Stephanopoulos was going to try to railroad me. He wanted to draw a line on the right. He wanted to divide the right. He wanted to portray law-abiding gun owners as being zealots. And he had to find a way to do that. What is the de facto way? That What's the way that they always go to, to do it? They always try to bring up background checks, which, by the way, and I, I made mention of this, it is a supremely flawed system. And that's a whole other, and whether or not it's constitutional, that's a whole other, other discussion. But this was right when you had a number of Republicans that were privately wavering on these renewed gun control efforts. And so he was tasked with dividing the right. And I figured this, the best way that he was going to try to attempt this was to argue that back in the 90s, when I was in high school and junior high, he was going to try to argue that back in the 90s, gun contr- or, uh, pro-Second Amendment groups had rejected the, com- the uh, creation of the Brady Bill. And he said, so that's opposition of background checks. That's just common sense. He wanted to use that as the thing to- through which he could portray gun owners as unreasonable. And I did not want to give him that ground. And I anticipated, because I get in people's heads, I watched, I mean, hours of footage where he was arguing about gun control stuff. I researched him, I got ready for it, and I said, and I told people, I said, this is what's going to happen, the people I worked with at the time. I said, I'm telling you, you think I'm nuts? He's good. This is going to be a second question. I said, if I were him, it'd be my first. And I was completely right. Of course. And so he had brought that question up, and it was his second question. Well, you know, pro-Second Amendment groups back in the 90s, they were uh, opposing the creation of the background check system. But my response to him was that, George, you're not informed properly. That wasn't a fight at all over the creation of a system. That's a separate topic. That was actually a fight over states' rights. Prince v. United States. And in that case, which was found in favor of states' rights, I might add, and it was argued before the court by my brilliant friend, Stephen Holbrook, the federal government cannot force states to administer and subsidize federal programs. They cannot force states to do this. Now you see how this dovetails into the immigration issue. The federal government cannot direct state legislatures. They cannot direct states to use their own manpower and their own financial resources to carry out federal programs, to subsidize federal programs. Stephanopoulos' argument was a straw man. He was trying to argue about background checks and cast gun owners as zealots when actually his premise alone was zealotry. Because SCOTUS settled the issue and it was not about whether or not you opposed 
or supported the creation of the background check system. It was about how the federal government couldn't say, look, we're going to come up with something that you, the states, we're not going to give you any kind of say in, but you have to pay for it and you have to administer it. Which brings us to that soundbite from Jen Psaki. This is absolutely a case of the federal government demanding that states carry out a federal program and not only use their manpower to administer it, but demand that the state's taxpayers subsidize it. Texans pay upwards of about $850 million annually. Now, sidebar to this, I'm not saying that people all over the country don't pay a price. You absolutely do. But I'll have you know these border states, they pay more than their fair share. The reason being is because you have to look between anywhere between $579 million and 17 or $717 million each year for public. This is public. This is all public information, by the way. This is not hidden anywhere. It's not, you know, it's all public information. That's how much it costs each year for public hospital districts to provide care for those who enter the country illegally to house people who enter the country illegally. You're looking from you're looking anywhere about what 130 million to 150 million annually to include people who enter the state of Texas, the Republic of Texas illegally. To include them in the state emergency Medicaid program, you're looking at anywhere from 70 to 90 million annually depending on the influx across the border at that time. Texans paid more actually almost $2 million for the Family Violence Program to provide services to people who enter illegally. That's just for one year. Anywhere between 30 and $38 million annually for perinatal coverage through the Children's Health Insurance Program for people who enter the state illegally. And you're looking at about $63 million annually. And again, these numbers can fluctuate depending on the surge at the border, to educate children who are brought over illegally by adults. That is a major, major, major financial burden on taxpayers in Texas. It is a federal program that this administration is demanding taxpayers in border states subsidize, which is a violation of Prince v. United States. It's a, it violates the commandeering clause. It violates the Tenth Amendment. That is what this is all about. And I'm going to tell you what, I don't give a rat's fat ass as to what you think the governor of Texas is allowed or not allowed to do when I am paying this much because you don't enforce the law, I will do whatever the H E double hockey sticks I want. And there ain't a thing you're going to say to me about it. I actually don't think we should be paying taxes. Why am I paying taxes? I'm paying my taxes because I'm paying to subsidize the criminal activity that the administration is encouraging at the border. Texans should be excused from paying all border state people. And in fact, all you elsewhere around the country for however much your tax dollars are going to subsidize the criminal activity, the southern border. You should be you should be able to keep that money yourself, too.
This is what I'm talking about. This is this is insane. The fiscal burden is pretty it's pretty crazy. There's a, a white paper that I was reading about this specifically. It was over at fairus.org that looked into the fiscal burden. They actually say that because of the surge, you're looking at about, you know, several billion annually. That makes some sense. They say in 2013, illegal immigration cost Texas taxpayers specifically over $12 billion. That amounts, and I want you all to think about this. That amounts to $1,197 for every household in the state. And the taxes, because all the left likes to say is, oh, well, you know, the taxes that they that people who enter the country illegally that they generate, uh, you know, it's a, shut up. No, it did not. This stuff has receipts. We people stupid. You think we're stupid? You think we're stupid like you? No, 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 no. The taxes, $1.27 billion per year do not come close to offsetting the cost of the illegal entry. If you dispute these figures, please take it up with your Department of Treasury and please take it up with the Department of Public Safety of Texas that put all of these numbers out on the thing called the internet that you can publicly access if you get off your lazy fat A double snakes and do it. That's called journalism. Do it. This is what aggravates me about this stuff. People don't look this up. And then you have Jen Psaki that comes out and says, you know, that like, and she, she acts like it's no big deal. She's not the one. She her state is not the one that has the 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 uh, unfair fiscal burden. Now, I'm going to also take a look at the cost of illegal immigration state by state for the entirety of 2022 and 2021. I'm ready to do that. I got I've got it all right here. Now. Granted, every state, and I'll tell you this, most states, on average, you're looking at several million dollars. I think the lowest one is West Virginia, and that's about 31 million. And these figures, and I'll cite the figures and everything, but that's the, this, this is what we're looking at. This is, this is the cost of it. And you have some states, obviously. California and Texas pay the highest. We're going to talk about all of this coming up. Also, we're going to get into a number of other things, too. Uh, the We got some energy. We have some tech. We have the latest on Russia, the latest on Wu flu, and space, an amazing and bright spot in the week. In 2021, there were more than 3 million new gun owners in the United States, and now around 42% of all households in the United States have a firearm. People support the Second Amendment. For firearm enthusiasts, suppressors are a good idea when practicing at the range, indoors or outdoors. I mean, a suppressor doesn't silence your firearm, but it does help to protect your hearing, and even more so for those who like to spend a lot of time training with their firearms. My friends at Silencer Shop are the industry leader for suppressors. They're a Texas-based company, and their customer reviews are awesome. So if you're new to shooting suppress, I want you to know that Silencer Shop has made the NFA process easy. Details are online at silencershop.com with free shipping and no transfer fees. And their suppressors start at just $365. Search Silencer Shop on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube and spend more time at the range protected with a suppressor that's right for you. See their variety and how to get yours through silencershop.com. That's silencershop.com. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. 
Well, I don't know how I feel about this. Kane, you're going to have to talk me off a cliff because I'm a germaphobe and I'm also a chemical phobe. Is that weird to say? So here's the headline. Unsafe levels of uranium have been detected in two-thirds of public drinking water in the U.S. with those in the Midwest, that with those in the Midwest and the South most at risk. They say researchers at Columbia University found that two-thirds of U.S. drinking water systems have elevated levels of uranium. 90% of Americans use community drinking water systems. I don't like anything that starts with community. I just, I'm going to have to tell you, it freaks me out. Uh, making this a wide-reaching problem in the U.S. Hypertension, all kinds of bad stuff have been tied to this. Okay, so I remind me, Kane, to tell you what my my mom and my mother-in-law and everybody apparently in my family believe about water and air in the Midwest and parts of the South. Remind me, because I feel like it's now time where I've seen this enough where I got to get feedback. Uh, so anyway, there's that. Uh, Walmart is really trying to lure some truck drivers. They've started training truck dri- training workers from other departments to drive $110,000 starting pay. Dang. Dang, man, they're going to hook you up with an Xbox too? Like, what else are they going to get you? And Geico drops a corporate diversity event after it hired Linda Sarsour, the big anti-Semite. Yeah, they apologize. Stick with us. Life is too short to spend mornings getting ready for work in boring clothes that you don't want to wear. Face it, your closet's full of business clothes that you're never going to wear again because informal is the new normal. So embrace the cozy with new Tommy John loungewear. And when you start your day in Tommy John's stylish joggers, their sweatshirts, their leggings, their pajama sets, you're just that much more comfortable so you can do everything better. Micro modal fabrics and extended inseams give you four-way stretch and limitless flexibility. So you look good and you feel good all day long. Tommy John underwear moves with you thanks to the breathable, lightweight, moisture-wicking fabric that has four times the stretch of competing brands. And with over 17 million pairs sold, Tommy John does have customers they have fanatics and with tommy john returns and exchanges are free with tommy john's best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee it's tommy john's anniversary month so whether you're trying them for the first time or a longtime fan get 25 percent off site-wide right now at tommyjohn.com dana help celebrate with 25 percent off site-wide at tommyjohn.com dana that's tommyjohn.com dana see site for details Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. Little shiny toy guns, Major Tom, which is a great cover of that track, by the way. Love the song. The love, the synth. It's awesome. Welcome back to the program. Dana Lash here with you. Liftoff Falcon 9 and Dragon SpaceX making history again. This is a bright spot in the week. Three visitors in their astronaut escort. That was my favorite part of this. That was an AP headline. Well, uh, three visitors in their astronaut escort. I mean, I kind of want an astronaut escort now. How how cool is that? But $55 million. I'm all right with it. You know what? You know why? All these people who are out there going, oh my gosh, can you believe somebody spent $55 million? You better thank the heavens that these people had that money to spend on that ticket because every single time one of these people do that, that gets you, the average everyday American, closer and closer and closer and closer to something like this happening for you or someone you know. The more it happens, the more they do it, the more they test everything out, the more they expand, the more this becomes a a everyday reality. And it's privatization. I'm all for that. Oh my gosh. This should be celebrated. First private charter flight. To the orbiting lab two years after carrying astronauts there for NASA. They're going to ISS. 
three business dudes and their astronaut escort. And NASA is joining Russia and hosting guests at the world's most expensive tourist destination. $55 million apiece. Now, what do you get for your $55 million? Well, let me tell you, Jim, you get all meals included. A rocket ride to your accommodation, which is Xfinity miles up into space. I mean, it's, you know, maybe you could see an alien. I don't know. It just it sounds cool. But... um. NASA finally was like, yeah, okay, because they, they, they opposed having visitors to the space station. Um, but they had uh, one, a Japanese fashion tycoon fly up with his assistant, which I can't wait to see what the fashions are going to be after that one, Kane. Uh, but, and this is the Mir station. They've been, there's been people that have been going up there for a little bit, but this is the first, this is just really cool. And the visitors' tickets include all include access to everything but the Russian portion of the space station. They would have to have three. They would have to have permission from the three cosmonauts on board. And apparently, there's three Americans and a German up there too. I love how we just like, yeah, there's a German, there's a couple Americans, you know. And they said that they're not going to talk about politics because of the war in Ukraine. How difficult would that have to be? That's a movie by itself. Remember how Russia was going to leave that one dude up there? Like jerks they were. Well, Obama put us in that position when he, he, I mean, you people up in the space station and he nicks the program that brings our guys up and down. What in the world? Privatize it. And now we, it looks like we may be able to do that. So we don't ever have that problem again. That's awesome. So this is the second private charter for Elon Musk's SpaceX. And remember, there was a billionaire and his guest that went on a three-day ride, orbital ride last year. So very cool. I just think it's neat that this stuff happens because it shows that, you know, there's there's this appetite for this. I think a, a bigger deal should be made of this. My gosh, I remember when they would have uh, shuttle launches when I was in elementary school. It was a huge deal. We watched that. Of course, the Challenger, that was when I was in third grade. That was a big... But, you know, it was something that you cel- you celebrate that. There was a sidebar, and then we're going to get into this other stuff. I get really territorial. I get very, I don't like to, how do I put this? There was this um, series, and I don't know what streaming service it's on, that was looking at the space race back in the 60s, but reimagining it from uh, reimagining it from a perspective that Russia did it first. and But it was telling it, you know, through the eyes, through the perspective of, you know, these Americans. And my husband promised me that there were going to be aliens in it, which is the whole reason I started watching it in the first place. I was like, show me them aliens, because otherwise I don't want to watch 30-something, but in the 60s and also with space. I don't care. Um, and I got so mad after the first episode because I was not told that the premise was rewriting history. That's where I can't, I cannot watch something if I cannot suspend my disbelief and really get into it. There's no way I will ever be able to spend my dis- suspend my disbelief and believe that the commies got into, you know, dis- sent people up there before we did. So as a result, I could not enjoy this. And I was like, mm, I feel like this is some Kremlin propaganda. I don't want to watch this anymore. So I staged a very loud, zealous riot. And um, we don't watch it anymore. It was one episode. You know what I mean, though? I can't get into that. That's not I, I just was hostile to it immediately. And everybody who helped bring about that even as like an exploration of fantasy. Nope, not into it. But it's it's something it's something cool that this the the space the space uh, uh, privatization of space. I do, however, think that there is because there's one thing that I think that the government should spend our taxpayer dollars on, and of course that is national defense. That's the one thing they have one job, right? One job. 
That's what they have. And I think I do think space is part of that. I don't do you want anybody to be able to establish something up there that could point rockets down at us before we can no. See what I mean? Reagan understood that. I'm not saying create a Death Star, but you know what I mean. So that's uh awesome news for SpaceX. I was watching that. It was awesome news. All right, a couple of other things here. Kane, play that audio of that I told. I don't even want to say what I said on break. Um, and everybody needs to stop telling saying Happy Rex Manning Day. I'm really done with it. Quit it. The, um, what is this person? How do they, a polyamorous gender fluid witch? Yes. That sounds like a horrible folk band name. Preschool teacher. Preschool teacher. Jeez. So she, I love all these people that are recording videos of themselves. Like it's a really brave thing. And I just want to give an example. And I have a headline that's going to follow this. Listen to, listen to this. This is courtesy libs of TikTok. But not only that, but they also know that I'm gender fluid. Uh, at one point last year, I had explained to them that I was not Miss Lois or Mr. Lois. It's just Lois because I'm not a boy or a girl. Oh, and this was all well and good until October when I also explained to him that I'm pagan, so I am also a witch. And at one point I got my haircut and I got the sides of my mohawk to shave down. And I come into work and one of the children goes, Lois, are you a boy? You have short hair. Oh my gosh, and I'm already done. Goes, so no, it's, I can't, I can't handle it. It's this chick who she's... Uh, I'm not going to make fun of her. I had my nose pierced when I was younger, so I'm not going to make fun of her with her lip piercings, but I am going to make fun of her for overplucking her eyebrows. This whole thing, nobody cares. You're talking about kindergartners. I just, why are these adults so obsessed with talking to kids about what they do? How, I mean, who they go to bed with? Stop acting. I mean, good grief. Stop it. This Comes on the heels. I wanted to share this headline with you. New Jersey is going to require second graders to learn about gender identity in the fall. What? Second graders. You know what I was worried about in second grade? I'll give you two words. My biggest concern. Book cart. I'll give you another. My second word. My second biggest thing. Weekly reader. Mm. Right. Here's the third. But one word, recess. That's all I cared about. Second grade. It's not difficult. You have very simple needs. Maybe we should have our kids be able to do math first. I'm just saying. I'm a little scared about, you know, all the people that are going to be, when we're old and decrepit and all petrified and bent over, hunched over with posture like cocktail shrimp. I'm very worried about the people that are going to be taking care of us and like, pushing buttons and hooking up our breathing tubes and all this stuff because are they going to be able to do basic math and do other things let me list off my 50,009 pronouns I mean it just stop I'm, I'm concerned but I just I do it's absurd it's absurd when you're talking about second graders why is it that people feel like you have to talk to other people about who you go to bed with and how why did that become something that has to be stated and needs a flag like we're giving people flags based on who and how they go to bed who they go to bed with and how you get a flag for that right it's a participant no no it's i would say it's a participation trophy but then the asexual people get a flag too and they're not actually participating That's 
So it's just, why do we, I just don't, man, the world is so messed up. You all can come under my rock. Come on, come on. Let's all go back. Let's all go back. Jeez. I, uh, if there, if we do have the ability to time travel, I hope that people in the future, if it's all okay, and, you know, we get past this bump in human history, can some of y'all up there, like if you're watching us and you're invisible or something, can you just, you know, come back and tell us it's all okay? Because some of us are done. We're just waiting for the asteroid at this point. But why? Second grade. They have new they have new state sex education guidelines and the standards list performance expectations for second graders. And that includes being able to discuss the range of ways people express their gender and how gender stereotypes limit behavior. Uh, I'm just, you know, one of my cousins, he's uh, five years younger than me. And I will never forget how his obsession with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles bordered on something fantastically unhealthy. He wanted to wear, like, uh, he got a plastic, it was a plastic He-Man shield, but he wore it on his back. He was one of the, he was one of the turtles. He wanted to be called, I think it was Michelangelo is the one he wanted to be. I don't know why. I guess the color of bandana more suited him. I don't know. And I just, you know, I keep thinking if that, you know, my cousin was around, if, well, if he was that age and around at that age today, it seems like society would be encouraging him to go and live in a sewer, right? <laughs> you too can grow up to be a mutated turtle. I'm just, do you know what I mean? Yeah, eat pizza all day and learn about learn about martial arts from a rat, a giant rat that wears a smoking robe, right? Didn't he wear one? I mean, come on, Splinter. <laughs> just saying, it's just wild, man. We have I could sit here and talk about this all day, but I ha- I mean, it's just it it bothers me that that's where. It's one thing to be confused, but it's another thing when you're purposely trying to confuse everyone else and you're using your own personal, not based in science belief as some sort of universal standard measure. That's not acceptable. And it's not right for strangers to be forcing this on other strangers and their children who are also strangers to them. It's weird. It's weird. You know what? People would be up in arms if we were teaching about if we were teaching firearms in schools all across the country without parental consent. But apparently this is fine, though. As you age, the fatigue and failing endurance you feel can't be fixed with more and more caffeine. So introducing a new way to start your day, Super Beats Heart Chews. They're a tasty treat that can give you the energy that you need and are good for you. No more afternoon coffees, energy drinks, or candy for a quick pick-me-up. Add two delicious plant-based Super Beats Heart Chews to your morning routine and promote heart-healthy energy for your day without a caffeine crash. Because Super Beats Heart Chews' unique clinically researched grapeseed extract promotes heart-healthy energy and normal blood pressure, as part of a healthy lifestyle. The grapeseed extract used in Super Beats Heart Chews has been clinically shown to be two times as effective at supporting normal blood pressure as a healthy lifestyle alone. Now for my listeners only, you can get up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. This is their best offer available anywhere. That's danasbeats.com. Get up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. That's danasbeats.com. danasbeats.com. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. 
If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. I knew it wouldn't be easy, but I knew the person I nominated will be put through a painful and difficult confirmation process. But I have to tell you, what Judge Jackson was put through was well beyond that. There was verbal abuse, the anger, the constant interruptions, the most vile, baseless assertions and accusations. In the face of it all, Judge Jackson showed the incredible character and integrity she possesses. Poise. He's giving, he's giving Brett Kavanaugh's, uh, he's giving a, a, a speech for Brett Kavanaugh for Kentaji Brown-Jackson there. She got hardly put through nothing. Are you kidding me? That was like one of the lamest, most vanilla kitty and sunshine hearings I think I ever seen. What, a day? Two days? That's it? Yeah, and it was all, yeah, questions on her record. Welcome back to the show. Dana Lashier. I'm not even going to hear this mess that she's like somehow got put through the ringer. Brett Kavanaugh went through hell and back. Good heavens. I mean, this was, it's just so, it is just so ridiculous. She got to ask questions about her record. That's it. And when people were actually bringing up legitimate questions on her on her restorative justice stuff, everyone was the left lost their minds. We went through a week of hearing about all the ways that Brett Kavanaugh didn't actually rape anybody, but they just called him a rapist anyway. And then they brought in that weird uh, pedophile sounding lady. What's her name? I don't know what her name was. This grown woman. No, that was the other woman. She was a nut. That Blazy Ford looked like a nut. Uh, that other chick that they brought in who was like a 40-year-old woman going to high school parties. Remember? I saw people being raped. Well, were you one of them? Because you were like a middle-aged woman at high school parties. Like, how weird are you? I might be slightly exaggerating her age, but it comes nowhere close to the lies that they said when they were accusing him of being a rapist. So live with it. Choke on it. It's just stunning. Stunning. Okay, so a a couple of things. This, uh, I'm, I'm, I I just, it does, it does actually just amazes me. I'm curious though, this super spreader event that's being held outside, Kane. I mean, uh, I don't see masks and uh, social distancing, you know. They held Amy Coney Barrett's thing outside and everyone's like, everybody's going to die. We should also discuss the ever-moving science because apparently, you know, they timed the infections, I guess, of the Rona because Jen Psaki was saying, no, 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 Nancy Pelosi, it was just a quick kiss. That's it. So it's actually okay that she was right there by Biden. But, like, you would get, people have gotten hauled off, like, out of airports for being too close in a terminal. So we're going to talk about all that and more. Second hour on the way. Stick with us. If there's only one word to remember about Keltec, it's innovation. A privately owned family company, Keltec has been making one-of-a-kind American-made firearms since 1995. Driven by creativity, Keltec doesn't just copy other weapons on the market. They innovate new ones, including the new P-15 9mm Striker Fire Pistol. The P-15 is Keltec's first Striker Fire handgun and is the lightest and thinnest of its kind. Featuring a totally unique patent-pending extended magazine, the P-15 pistol's other features include fire 
fiber optic front sight and adjustable rear, ambidextrous safety and magazine release, as well as a gator grip texture that increases stability and makes for easy, accurate handling. The P15 is fun on the range, but it's definitely great for serious home protection. To find out more about the P15 9mm Striker Fire Pistol and all other Keltec weapons and products, check out keltecweapons.com. That's K-E-L-T-E-C weapons.com. Keltec, creating innovative, quality firearms to help secure your world. Keltecweapons.com. Thanks, Jen. How can you guys say that President Biden was not a close contact with Speaker Pelosi when there is video of the Speaker kissing him? Well, Peter, the way that it is defined is by the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, and their definition of it is 15 minutes of, of contact within a set period of time uh, and within six feet. Uh, it did not meet that bar. It does not mean that, uh, that no one will get COVID around the world who does not have a close contact. It just means we are defining for all of you uh, whether the president and their interaction met the definition of the CDC of a close contact. I wish my thermos had liquor in it right now. Welcome to the show. Second hour, your lovable curmudgeon that just is my first reaction is to backhand everything. Dana Lash, nice to be with you today. I'm sassy right now, and I'm going to tell you why here in a minute. First off, that was, that was Jen Psaki yesterday during Deucey time. One of my favorite times of the day, Kane. Oh, yeah. It's a time when you just you know take a little break, a little breaky break. You sit down, you relax, you have yourself a sodi, maybe... You know, you get yourself your beets, chews, you get you a soda, you ha- sit back and relax. And um, you just enjoy watching some of the uh, some of the discussion there of uh, Peter Ducey questioning Jen Psaki. So he was sitting here. What he's t- she's this this had to do with the um, super spreader event that they're having because it was a super spreader event when Trump had it. Outside with Amy Coney Barrett, but suddenly it's not a super spreader event because Democrats. It is. I mean, it really, truly is. And so he, this whole thing, you had uh, Joe Biden who got a kiss on the cheek from Nancy Pelosi. And so now, even though you had to social distance and you had to stand on the markers on the floor for everything. Uh this can happen because you know it takes 15 minutes for it to cook kane yeah okay cyber i gotta tell you this so just real quick uh-huh. are they saying that masks don't matter then at this point because hey, they're all double vaxxed and boosted why the hell is it even yeah why do they even have to be worried after 15 minutes i thought they got the vaccine kane the lips are like really close together so if that isn't a super spreader, then what is mask? What are masks don't matter? And they're all like elderly. No offense to you know old people, but they're all elderly. Like they are all walking comorbidities, talking to each other, laughing. You know, spreading the rona. Yeah, that's what they're doing. That's what they're all doing. So, but they they got the what double vac, triple vax? How many shots is it anymore? Does anybody know? How many bowls of total? <laughs> Colin blowing blow you in the morning. I cannot believe I remember that. Jeez, what is in my head? But it's it's but it's true though. So they have this. They're having their super spreader event, and you know, Jen Saki saying, "Yeah, you know, kissing someone doesn't qualify as close contact." Wait a minute. Let me, now, here's my story. 
I, uh, there's, I don't know. I think when I'm old, my kids are going to have to coax me out of my hobbit hole. I'm a hobbit. I legit, I think I really identify with the hobbit. I really do. I just want to stay in my home and read my stuff and not be bothered by anything. I could because I'm an I am an a cranky old George Carlin as a younger woman. That's basically me. And um, I remember when everything kind of started opening up, and I thought, eh, you know, I'll go out and you know do just you know how when people were like, would make up errands just to go get out of the house, right? So here's Dana making up an errand. I get, you know we need some soap. Need some hand soap. Got to go out and get some of the soap. You know, I'm just going to go get in my car and waste the gas to go get some hand soap. We have a beautiful area in the town that I live in where we have, you know, you have this, it's like an old town, like 1950s sort of layout. And you got all the shops and the park and all that. So I was like, I'm going to go to a Bath and Body Works. Because I hated myself. That's why. Because I hated myself to death. I'm not, I'm not throwing no shade, but I haven't been inside one of those now forever. First off, I'm not going to stand in line to get into a store. There's nothing I want bad enough to ever do that. And uh, it was in the morning, so there wasn't a line or anything. Yeah, everybody had just opened. But I noticed that there were these giant stickers on the floor to encourage, you know, the social distancing. Because the virus runs out of stamina after so many feet. You know. So you got to stay, got to keep everybody, you know. I was like the only one in there. And everybody was, you know, ever, the people were nice. No one would get near you. So I'm like, I'll just get a couple soaps. I don't know. They had, what is it, their sale that they have, five for 25 or something? <clears throat> so go in there. And I, it, it, it felt like a Monty Python episode because I couldn't just walk up to the register. I was the only person in there at this point. I think some other woman finally came in. And I had to stand on the sticker because I was walking up to the register and a very helpful, uh, and I, I think she was in high school. She's very nice. These people are tasked with doing stupid stuff, you know, with these protocols. She's like, oh, can you stand on the sticker? Stand on the sticker. We're keeping distance. I'm like, I'm literally nobody up here, but okay. I'm not, you know, it's too early. I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm just here for soap. I'm not here to go to jail. Okay. So <laughs> stood on the sticker. And then after a second of standing in the sticker, I thought, this is stupid. So I put my soap back and left. And I had to put the soap back in a basket after you touched the soap. You had to put the soap in a basket because they were, it was so ridiculous. I left. I never went back in there again. Never purchased from the, I was so, it was so dumb. Stand on this. Nobody else in there. Stand on this. In case there's invisible people around. (laughs) Stand on the sticker. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So I just, I, I don't have a lot of patience and tolerance for that. I have patience for things that, me, that are actually meaningful and make sense. I do not have any patience for stupidity. Like absolutely none. I have no tolerance for it and I have no filter. None at all whatsoever. So I don't care. What you see on air is exactly how I am in public. I just don't care. I, I, I'm not going to stand on a sticker. I'm not going to stand on a damn sticker. By the way, keeping that point with you know the social distancing do you know how many people stood in line to go into that little lululemon store you know that what i'm talking about kane where they they have men's clothes in that store i was literally only learned that last year did you know that no what man buys clothes at lululemon 
I'm sorry if you do. I'm not passing judgment. But I'm just saying, you get your sports bras there. I don't mean to just, I don't know. But people would stand in line to go in that store. They would for like an hour. One of my friends was like, oh my gosh, I stood in line for an hour. I'm like, for what? Lululemon. You stood in line outside a damn Lululemon for an hour? Did the, were like the Beatles having a living member, you know, reunification concert inside? What the hell was happening? What were you, why were you standing? It's leggings. Order your crap online. Pay the extra $2. Why would you stand outside for an hour? An hour. I don't get it. So this is why I got mad. We had Dr. Gear Vandenbosch on yesterday. Smart guy. Kane, he's a profesh. He's a virologist, a microbiologist. He's an ologist and a bunch of stuff. He's got all these degrees. He's got all these accolades. The left loved him until they started not abiding by science. And so he was on yesterday and we were having this conversation about how it is that you had this variant you that seemingly innocuous. I had the Omicron. You haven't actually gotten anything, have you, Kane? I bet you did, and you were pretty, you were asymptomatic. I, I, yeah. I don't know how you I did. I, I bet Juan has. I bet you have. I bet y'all had it, and y'all were asymptomatic. I'm. There's no way you haven't gotten it. And so, and I told you about we all had it over Christmas. And I was curious as to how there are now apparently deadlier variants coming about, because that just seems to kind of fly in the face of established science and what we know about the behavior of a virus, right? If it starts out lethal and it's very virulent, then it kind of loses it the more variations that it goes through. So we were talking to Dr. Geer Vandenbosch about this, and he was explaining and he was, you know, telling us a number of things about the the, the behavior of the variants and how he was saying that it was non-neutralizing antibodies that were, you know, this was the kind, you know, the kind of the response or the the cause and so we put it up on Facebook, <clears throat> right? Now, I will say this. I guess, you know, Facebook, there's, there's choices for people. I guess when they decide, well, I want to go into the service industry, but do I want to be a, a barista or do I want to punch buttons at Facebook? I guess I'll go punch buttons at Facebook. So they're digital glorified fact checker baristas who themselves believe that they are way smarter than Dr. Geert Vandenbosch and all these actual medical doctors. I mean, who is Dr. Geert Vandenbosch to argue with, you know, some glorified digital barista with green hair and a fake silver thumb ring who's edgy and thinks that they know more because they judge their, they judge their facts as to what the leading stories of the day are saying. Literally, that's their, that's their, that's their standard of measure. So they decided to flag my story flag my interview with Dr. Geer Vandenbosch. And they they put up, oh, there's a fact check on this. And they said, vaccines are not growing new variants inside the bodies of the vaccinated. And the fact check is based upon a montage of lead stories. So whatever the lead story saying, we all know, ladies and gentlemen, that lead stories in the press are the absolute baseline of fact and truth, that there is nothing wrong ever reported. 
that every story that has ever come out has been, Cain, it's just been the height of truth. Yes. And this was the determination that they used when when coming to the conclusion that they felt that Dr. Gert Vanden... Geer Vandenbosch was uh, incorrect. Okay. Uh, Except, Cain, just play this part. What did he say again? His literal quote was... He was talking about um, non-neutralizing antibodies is what your body ends up creating from the vaccine. So it has nothing to do with the vaccines growing anything, but he had this to say about it. We're sitting in a situation where we are... We have highly vaccinated populations with a lot of resistance to the virus. So very, a lot of non-neutralizing antibodies that are boosted, these non-neutralizing antibodies, they also, this has been shown by a fantastic uh, French professor, Fantini is his name, who has shown that these antibodies, these non-neutralizing antibodies, by binding to the virus, not only limit the virulence of the virus, but also cause enhanced infectiousness and cause, in fact, antibody-dependent enhancement of infection. So if these antibodies increase, mm. so the you see what he's saying. are going to become more susceptible. Okay, this is way longer than I wanted. We, we not, he's talking about non-neutralizing antibodies, and he's, he's explaining how this works. Kane, you know that the fact-checkers know more than him. Oh, yeah, sure. Why didn't you have these fact-checkers on to set him straight, Kane? And they, they put a story on there about how... Why were why are they acting like we actually said or that Dr. Vandenbosch actually said that somehow this is all growing in the body and that's how the, the, uh, Kane, I have an answer for that. Yeah, uh, because they're sentient turds. That's huh. why. Now it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, folks, I try trying to be I mean, trying to be nice. Some people are testing. Some people testing. We got a lot more to get into. We got, uh, good grief, we got Florida Man at the end of this hour. Coming up, my friend Stacey Washington Washington has a new book out, Eternally Cancel Proof. I like that title. We're going to talk to her about that as well. We got a lot still to get into. The end of 2021 saw inflation rise by almost 7% in just one month. And that means in 30 days, your dollar became 93 cents. This year, the stock market has been dangerously volatile. Gold provides a hedge against inflation, which is why you should trust legacy precious metals for investing in gold and silver. Inflation isn't slowing down. It's escalating. Trust legacy precious metals to give you unbiased counsel based on your personal situation. It's time to be proactive and take steps to protect yourself. Legacy precious metals will advise you on all of your options, whether that's rolling your existing retirement account into a gold IRA or whether that's holding physical metals directly in your home. Speak to an IRA expert at Legacy Precious Metals. The number is 866-580-2088 or download their free investor's guide at LegacyPMInvestments.com. Protect your family's wealth with Legacy Precious Metals. Call 866-580-2088 or visit LegacyPMInvestments.com. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick 5, brought to you by Caltech. So, I was amazed at this yesterday. The, uh, a mother was released from jury duty for the sentencing as to whether or not uh, the murderer, Parkland murderer, could get the death penalty. Because 
she said that she had to figure out something. She has a sugar daddy, and then she also has... She says she's married, she has a sugar daddy, and then she got her kids. And apparently that gets you out of jury duty. Which just underscored, I think, to me, the importance of having sane people who go for jury duty, right? There's a new survey that says that apparently most Americans can't name all four of their grandparents. What? That's insane. That seems a little problematic. Music fans have a new problem. Too many concerts. Kane says it sounds like a not a fan problem, but a promoter problem. We have more to come. Stick with us. John Durham uncovers another lie about the Russian collusion narrative. President Biden clearly knows more about Hunter's business deals than he will admit. And soon to be Justice Jackson has a disturbing pattern of going easy on criminals. I'm Greg Columbus. Join Jim Garrity of National Review and me each weekday for the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We'll give you the good, bad and crazy news of the day for conservatives and hopefully a lot of laughs, too. Join us. Follow the Three Martini Lunch on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The Dana Show. I was in the foot, uh, foot, excuse me, the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with him. I guess we traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact. Wait. What? Exactly. So, wait, did he drive? Did he drive around? So, apparently, he drove... What, Xi Jinping around the Himalayas for in an 18-wheeler for 17,000 miles? I'm just curious. The, the foothills, yeah. The foothills of the Himalayas. Was it in an 18-wheeler? Welcome back to the show. I don't, that's, that's the president of the United States. I'm Dana Lash. I know what the hell I've done. Good to be with you this Friday, ladies and gents. That was at his super spreader event. Why did that even come up? I was in the foothills of the uh, Himalayas with Xi Jinping, drove around for... It's just weird stuff that he says. He says the weirdest, kookiest stuff. He says this stuff and you... This is not even like old people's stories. You know how your your grandfather would be like, I had to walk to school uphill both ways. This is even weirder because he just comes up with this stuff. He didn't actually say the 18-wheeler part. I added that because I'm actually shocked that he didn't add it. The foothills... Of the Himalayas. Jeez. But he doesn't know it as a fact. But he doesn't know it as a fact. I mean, it could have happened. It could have not, maybe. (laughs) 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 He literally, he goes... America's a nation would be defined by a single word. Excuse me. I was in the foothills of the MLAs as Xi Jinping traveling with him. That's when I traveled 17,000 miles and I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact. I don't know, man. So, I just really, we just need all, uh, basically a video montage of all the crazy stuff that he's ever said. It, and and I, I don't even mean just like even as president, like even when he was vice president still. Right. And huh? Oh, yeah. It would take two full shows. It would it would it would take. Yeah. (sighs) I think he had a stroke at some point. I really do. I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm just saying I legitimately think that he did. I want to do switch gears and and I sent this out in your prep email if you signed up and I have some other uh, deeper dives coming as I heal up and can sit and type because it's kind of hard to type when you have to sit back 
um, because, you know, incisions. But I, this gets weirder and weirder, this story. I first talked about this yesterday. Actually, let me take that back. I had a headline about this like a, a month ago. And it was just kind of, and I'll admit, I, you know, it was sort of a, a weird aside headline. And it was in the context of me uh, earlier discussing, you know, some of the, uh, the Iran deal stuff that Biden had been pursuing. And it was this, just this headline at the Washington Examiner. And it said, oh, Iran's uh, plotting the assassination of John Bolton and others, even while Biden negotiates a nuclear deal. And I just, I had it as a headline because this was in the context of um, all this other stuff with the Iran deal. And so then comes this insane story of what sounds like a, I don't know, it sounds like bosom buddies or something. It sounds like a sitcom, doesn't it? You have a bunch of agents that live in, what is it called? The Crossing? Luxury apartment building. And included were these two dudes, Iran Taherzadeh and Hader Ali, 40 and 35 respectively, who were fake agents who were living there too. They were arrested Wednesday. The FBI raided this place. There were people who lived there who were sharing pictures online saying they didn't know what was going on. And now we find out this is why the guy that these agents had were living there and they've been offering free apartments and other gifts to U.S. Secret Service agents and officers. And more about the story came out because these two agents, they apparently were federal agents. They said they were federal agents through the Department of Homeland Security. And that they ended up giving a uh, a, a lot of gifts, uh, like guns and, and electronics and all kinds of stuff. I mean, this is one of the most bizarre stories I've heard. They They were showering all of these other federal agents, Secret Service agents with gifts. I have no idea where they got the money for it. I mean, we're talking about they were giving them, giving them uh, rent-free penthouse apartments. Where, where are they getting the money for this? And so there's a raid. And, and the crazy thing is the only reason that anyone even knew is because of a postal worker. There had been something that happened at that building crossing D.C., and a postal worker had been assaulted or something. And then somehow these guys like saw it. And that's how this all started. <laughs> that's the only, that's how all of this began. That's how weird this is. So fake agents. So these fake agents, they were taken into custody. The, uh, they ingratiated themselves with Secret Service. And including the first lady's own security detail. She is one of the most protected people on earth. And these fake agents compromised her security detail. Her bodyguard was put on leave. Four members of the secret service were put on leave. We still don't even know if she had actually, if they had actual contact with the first lady or even the president. We have no idea. 
So they are charged with impersonating federal law enforcement, all kinds of stuff. They got a whole bunch of stuff. Well, here it gets crazier. So I had this this headline. As I said, keep this the other what I would, we were just talking about in, in mind. So they said that two Iranians belonging to the Islamic Revolutionary Guard's covert action, their Quds Force, have been plotting to assassinate former National Security Advisor John Bolton and others, etc. The Washington Examiner did a whole story on this, that this was about the nuclear accord or whatever, which is not an accord. And they said that there were apparently, there, there was a possibility of sealed indictments against these, you know, these, they never named them. But... They said that there have been all these Iranian threats that have been made previously, and there was a, a Washington Examiner report in December of 2020 where Congress quietly extended Pompeo's Diplomatic Security Service protective detail beyond his government tenure because of these threats. So there was a lot of questions about, you know, how widespread was this? And, you know, Biden administration officials were were concerned about indicting Cuds Force officers for assassination plots in the U.S. because they didn't want to they didn't want to complicate anything going towards the Iran deal. And so now we have this story. These they were they apparently had access to, you know, all kinds of stuff. These Iranian guys, these because apparently they're 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 Pakistani and Iranian visas that were found on them during their search. They were found in their possession. So that's a conspiracy charge. Apparently they stemmed from that. So they have Pakistani and Iranian visas. They were able to access all of this, you know, firearms, everything. And I guess they're still investigating to just see how many of these other federal agents have been compromised. And now they apparently have ties to Iranian intelligence. This is one of the latest developments. Specifically, what I just mentioned in that Washington Examiner piece from last month, the Revolutionary Guard Corps. So they were posing as apparently various different officers and employees of the U.S. government, including federal law enforcement agents. And they still don't know the end game. They're, they believe it could be, you know, they, they suspect terrorism because of their ties to the Revolutionary Guard. They don't know really a lot. So to reiterate, our intel agencies don't know how our intel agencies were compromised by two Iranian, maybe or not, Revolutionary Guard members who may or may not have been plotting like a terrorist assassination. We have no idea who was funding them. We don't know anything. And uh, who knows? And the, the, the gifts were of such high dollar that investigators are pretty much assuming it was a foreign government behind the plan. Our intel agency. So as I laid it out in the email that I sent out, you have two fake agents that infiltrate the protection detail of one of the most protected people in the world. They showered Secret Service with expensive gifts. They had access to everybody. Who vouched for them to get them this far? You can't just be too, you know, try to fake being an agent and show up and be like, hey, it's me. I want access. Who vouched for them to get this far? Where did they get the money to spend? Our intelligence agencies were so busy investigating and nabbing people for unlawful parading our intelligence agencies were so busy apparently organizing kidnap plots for Gretchen Whitmer in Michigan 
Our intelligence agencies apparently were so busy working with the Department of Justice to focus on those quote-unquote terrorist parents that they missed a massive security breach into the First Lady's own protective detail. This is the issue. I mean, I am, it is stunning. This is absolutely stunning. And I cannot believe it's not a bigger headline. The fact that it isn't, and the fact that they have these Iranian ties makes me think, oh my gosh, this is the administration not wanting to jeopardize the Iranian deal. But why would they not want to jeopardize the Iranian deal? These two dudes who had ties to the the Revolutionary Guard and were apparently high and funded by Iranian, maybe the Iranian government, who knows? Why would you not want to end any kind of approach for any agreement? There's, why is this administration, whether it's Biden or Obama, why are Democrats so obsessed and hell-bent with having some kind of not real agreement with Iran? Why? Even if your wife's security details compromised, then he always act like, I mean, my gosh, Will Smith slapped a man when his wife was really the, the, I'm just saying, Joe Biden's wife's security details infiltrated and they're like, uh, let's be quiet about it. Were they going to assassinate the first lady? Was it going to be a Cuds force thing to take her out? That's what's concerning. I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican. There's a reason why. We have a very protected process. And, you know, this is where my national nationalistic side comes up. I don't want nobody over here doing sketchy stuff and infiltrating, you know, nothing. Also, our intelligence agencies, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Maybe they should be focusing on actual terroristic threats and not parents. The Dana Show, sponsored by 30 years of game-changing Caltech innovation, like the P-50. A new breed of pistol. Innovation. Performance. Caltech. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. It's time for Florida Man. So, this is funny. There is a a Florida man and his sister-in-law fought off attempted robbers on the street. They described it as WWE stuff. The couple remain in jail because they were charged with aggravated battery and strong-armed robbery. A Florida teenager and his sister-in-law thwarted an attempted robbery because they fought back. The brawl broke out after the couple began to physically attack the teen. uh, And the victim's sister-in-law hurried to the 18-year-old's rescue, fended off the attackers. They were trying to steal his phone. Both of the victims were uh, hit uh, physically. And... The it's crazy. They said that they they were also slurring them. They slurred the victims. They said they go don't back. Don't, you don't belong here. Go back, you immigrant. They said, and of course, uh, the couple who did it, Ryan Kennedy and Jesse Jones, were arrested and sent to Miami Dade County Jail. They were trying to steal his phone. Now, oh my gosh, all I want to do all day is watch this video because there's nothing more. I I realized just for a second I had my volume up. I mean, they were trying to steal his phone. The sister-in-law came out to help him. It's all on video. And I will say that the teenager landed a really awesome head kick. 
it was really nice. But they were, I mean, the guy like was attacking the uh, the sister and everything. So the couple's in jail. They, um, and they were like slurring them. The couple was like, I guess the, the teenager was from Puerto Rico and they were telling him to go back. I'm like, we're, these two need to go back to whatever hell pit they came from. Rain Kennedy and Jesse Jones. Jesse Jones, really? So uh, they both, uh, yeah, they both got whooped because the sister-in-law was going to be taking care of her brother-in-law and the brother-in-law had some real nice head kicks. So the two remain in jail following the arrest. Why do people just think that they're just going to go up and steal somebody's phone? Like walk up. I'm just amazed at this. So I told, mentioned this yesterday. This is WFLA. A, um, this story, a Florida man was apparently trying to eat the drugs as they were being flushed down the toilet. I don't know. It starts out friendly enough. This it's it's uh, and this wait a minute. I'm sorry. My story is entirely freezing Uh, and also apparently it changed. But no, basically what happened was a Florida man was caught by police uh, in possession of drugs and was trying to eat them as they he was trafficking and tried to eat them as police were trying to get rid of them. Not going to go well for him. Also, I'm going to try to get as many as I possibly can in here. A Florida woman is accused of using a cat to batter a girlfriend. St. Petersburg woman was arrested for domestic battery. She took the couple's cat and scratched her partner in the face with, I guess, the cat's paw. Good golly. The you want to know her last name? Her last name is something I have never. It is something to behold. Her name is Susan Freudenthal. Yeah. Freudenthal. She took the cat, held it up to the partner's face, and she said, I swear on this cat's life, I'm not cheating. And then the animal was in distress and scratched the woman's face. Obviously, because if you take a cat and you're hysterical and you hold it up to someone else's face, the cat may scratch you. I made of jokes, and I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Kane, don't tempt me. She was released. This is her second arrest for domestic battery. Freud, Freud Inthal. We have a lot more on the way. A whole other hour to come. And uh, Pete Buttigieg says if, you know, teachers can't talk to kindergartners about their sex lives, the kids are going to die. Stay, literally, stay with us. And in my state of Florida, when the with the so-called don't say gay law now, um, which he says will kill kids. Do you agree? And, you know, as a, as a politician, because this this strikes you as, you know, your husband is a teacher. Yeah. You are uh, obviously LGBTQ yourself and you are now a parent. Yeah. So how do you feel? About yeah, this? He, he's right. And, and I think every law ought to be judged for the effect it's going to have on real people. In so real this life. Is Mayor Secretary New Mom Poot Buttigieg, who's the transportation secretary. And I think it's stupid that he's weighing in on this. Welcome back to the program. I'm Dana Lash. Good to be with you this Friday. That's uh, one of the broads on the view. And I think that whole thing is so stupid. What gets me is that you can accuse people of killing kids if you don't get your way. But any talk about grooming or to say someone's a groomer, oh, that's a step too far. Those are the same people. Here's the thing with this. The left does not believe that consent matters anymore. It is the death of consent for the left. Obtaining parental consent 
to talk to kindergartners about your sex life for some reason instead of teaching math and reading that's apparently going to kill kids. That's literally what this is. That is not an exaggeration. The law is three pages long. It doesn't say anything about gay, nothing. It literally, it doesn't even actually ban sex education. It doesn't ban it. What it says is that you have to obtain parental consent or authority. That's what it says. And the left is apoplectic. They've lost their damn minds. How dare you make them have to get consent? These are the people who think that a baby should have to consign consent to just change their diaper. I mean, the crazier ones. But that's what this is about. Three pages. It's on. It's online. You can go read it. That's all the law is. And they decided to have this insane, not moored in any kind of science or actual reading of the law or language reaction. But I've said this before over and over again. And I actually wrote about, I mentioned this in my last book, Grace Canceled. The, the issue at hand here is parental authority. Because you have two competing worldviews. And they are becoming more and more irreconcilable uh, I, I, I as, the, as the days go on. I just don't know how else you, you reconcile two very different worldviews where it concerns authority over children. The, the parents believe they have their children, they raise their children, they teach their children. They bring their children up to be responsible adults, functioning adults in our society. And they send them to school because they pay for the school. The school acts as, as in, these are employees of the parents. They spend their tax dollars to send their children to school to become, to learn about, to be, become educated about math and reading and science. The state believes that they are the ones that have authority over children and the left as well because they're one and the same now the left thinks that the state has authority over children by way of being the state their authority comes from it's the state it's government they know the best they want to mold the minds they want to shape the hearts they want to teach what they believe are facts they want to be the ones and the 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 filter through which all of that goes. And the state believes that parents, by way of simply sending their children to their forcibly taxpayer-funded school, that parents forfeit that control. That by your child being in that classroom means you have, 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 completely given up control of your child to the state that is what they believe and so here you have these two opposing worldviews at odds and this battle is playing out that is what this is about to accuse parents because that's who is objecting with all of this i mean let's not act like there's some you know, unnamed boogeyman out there. The people who are objecting about this material being taught in schools, K through third grade, the people who are 
not pleased that teachers are talking about their sex lives with kids sitting in the classroom. They're not pundits in D.C. These are parents in the districts across the country that are having these objections. And a lot of them, yes, are pundits who work in D.C. Not a lot. Some of them are a tiny minuscule. The vast majority, as you saw with Glenn Youngkin's victory, are parents, average everyday parents who are upset by this. And to accuse these parents, and that's exactly what what Poot Buttigieg just did. To accuse these parents of potentially murdering their own children because the parents believe they are best equipped and have the authority to control how and with what tone their children learn about sex. It's not just inexcusable hyperbole. It's reckless, ignorant division for the sake of division. It is abusive. It is fear-mongering. He is an embarrassment. I, I just, it's infuriating to see this. Parents have been so kicked around the past couple of years now. The past couple of years. And have you noticed Democrats are trying to be, they're trying to act like it's not parents in the districts that are doing this. I mean, it, they're trying to act like, I don't know what they, who they think it's doing this, but no. It's the parents that are objecting to this. And then you have some conservatives. There was a great thread from John Hayward on um, Twitter. And I wanted to read some of it. Because he's a thousand percent right on this. Because you have parents that have, when you, the most dangerous place in the world, I've said this over and over again, it's not my phrase, it's something that's been out there forever. The most dangerous place in the world is between a mother and her children, really between parents and their children. And people who are using the word groomer and talking about grooming, I don't have any objection to this because I really do believe that that's what that behavior is. I'm not being uh, hysterical. You're talking about conditioning a child's mind. What do you think grooming is? If you are so, if people find such objection with that classification of that behavior, then stop the behavior and the classification stops. It's about priming the minds of children to accept this sort of what this particular adult believes. That's not education. You're, you're grooming them. You are seeding their minds to accept your version of events. And so there are some on the right that have been so upset and have been hand-wringing because some other conservatives have been talking about grooming. Really, where are those people objecting to what Pete Buttigieg just said here? Or all the people like him in this administration who have said it's killing kids. Even Joe Biden has said this going to kill kids what's going to kill kids the fact that their teachers can't talk about who they're screwing kindergartners guess what (sighs) the bill doesn't even say that it's the left's murder of consent john hayward said that there's a part of the conservative sphere yeah and as kane noted no one has articulated how kids are going to (sighs) die so stupid 
Hayward says that there is a part of the conservative sphere that always felt populism is the ultimate sin. That only the left should be allowed to fight culture wars and genuine conservative grassroots movements should be immediately run down with rhetorical lawnmowers. And on this, John is exactly right. I will never forget some of the same people now wringing their hands over the term groomer are the same people who went round and round with me back in 2010, 2009 over Tea Party. He says there's different reasons why some conservatives gravitate to this thinking. Some are paid grifters. They live deep inside the left wing information sphere. They inherit its prejudices, such as the notion that cultural combat is toxic for conservatives, but okay for the left. Some remain convinced there's a crucial group of moderates and independents in the electorate that will abandon Republicans forever if they fight the way left wingers do. Perpetual fear of offending independent voters explains a great deal of conservative timidity since the 90s. Some believe they can win ideological struggles, he writes, without sullying themselves with filthy politics. They just hold their principles high and visibly disdain effective political strategy. People will someday realize the right has been all along and rally to its banner. He adds, some are quietly fatalist, believing that conservatives can never hope to prevail against the absolute media domination of the left or the vast power it wields through government institutions like schools. Engaging on cultural issues is like challenging Godzilla to a cage match. For these timid elements of conservatism, the worst offense of the right is questioning the motives of the left. Nothing makes them spring into action against other conservatives faster than insinuations of bad faith or sinister motives against the left. The left have to be regarded as the loyal opposition, good people who want the best, but are just mistaken about how to achieve these noble ends. Accusations of malevolence or hidden agendas are denounced as ugly conspiracy mongering. And he says that these timid conservatives, this attitude holds out even as the left wages all out war and says there's no honest, sincere, good faith arguments against its agenda. Is there a political argument on the left that doesn't begin with denying the good intentions of opponents? If you want border security, you're a xenophobe. If you oppose abortion, you're a blind religious fanatic or misogynist. If you want smaller government, you're cruel and greedy. If you question global warming, you're a tool of big oil. But as soon, he adds, as any head of steam builds among grassroots conservatives for questioning the motives of the left on similar grounds, the timid conservatives leap into action. That language is out of bounds. How dare you imply lefties agenda is deliberately destructive. It's paranoia and slander to talk about the destruction agenda of the left, even, he adds, as hyperventilating lefties are laying out their agenda with hundreds of social media videos and vowing to destroy anyone who gets in their way. And this Really, in this post-Reagan era, he says, was facilitated by the conservative mindset. No matter how blatant the left was about its agenda, questioning its motives was out of bounds. If you don't want to fight an ugly culture war, everything is culture. And I agree. Everything is culture. The left gets to that. And they deploy legions of paid shock troops to capture institutions and corporations while you kept your hands clean. Much of the conservative commentariat, they're commentators. They were comfortable. Actually, yours truly was an activist and always been. They said they arrived at the, he says they, we've arrived at the final destination, the fatal terrain, the fabled hill to die on, political and sexual indoctrination of kindergartners using public money and state institutions. And it's still not time to take the gloves off. Still time to tone police. You have legions of parents out there who are fighting this, an honest to goodness grassroots movement from every demo. And this is where you're supposed to come in, conservatives, from activists to pundits. Or do we get another Tea Party debacle where grassroots gets trashed by the establishment and left to the mercy of grifters because they threaten to rock the boat too hard? It's a great thread. 
and he's a thousand percent right. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Mitch McConnell said yesterday evening that he is not going to commit to hearings for a potential Supreme Court nominee from from Joe Biden if he is the Senate Majority Leader leading up to the 2024 election. He told Axios that he's not going to put the cart before the horse, but he would expect uh, Biden to uh, he you know to try to moderate if Republicans retake Congress. But he seems very he always plays his cards kind of close to his chest. Libraries apparently are becoming more popular. But people are borrowing fewer books. That's interesting. Words rated, looked at data, and uh, they also, uh, well, they looked at uh, data and analytics from words rated. Researchers did. At about 17,500 libraries over the last 30 years, and they found that these institutions actually aren't dying in the digital age. They're thriving. Even though U.S. visits to U.S. libraries have dropped by 21% since 2009, they said there are actually more people borrowing books than ever before. 174 million people in the country are registered at a local library. That's like 54% of the population. People also go digital. Uh, but there's, they said that communities are doing more in libraries than they used to before. Interesting. Uh, also, a man gave up food for an all-beer diet for Lent. He's making such a sacrifice. Going on a liquid diet. It sounds like a like a frat challenge. But apparently, it's not. there's Del Hall. He's a Cincy native. He's... Uh, only drinking beer for Lent. That's it. That's what he's, he gave up every all the food except beer for Lent. We're going to see how he feels at the end of, we're going to see, right? I'm sure. Good heavens. A, me, a man's leg was found on a Texas highway 50 miles from where he was struck by a vehicle. This is crazy. Uh, the cops were alerted to it. It was outside of San Antonio, according to KSAT. They're investigating. They're still investigating the accident. Stacey Washington joins us next. Politics, pop culture, and whatever else gets canceled, tossed in a blender, paid for by sponsored hate mail. It's the Dana Show. That the other big area is gender identity and expression. So, doing all of this work uh, to ensure that our employees and cast can express their gender here authentically and proudly at the company. So, you know, coming up with guides on how to change your photo, information about pronouns, working with our benefits team to give information about gender affirmation procedures, both for our employees who are transitioning and trans, but also our employees who have kids who are transitioning. So, that's Bob Chapek who is, what is he, CEO? One of the executives over, they're all named Bob, Iger, Chapek, same thing. Uh, he's one of the executives over at Disney. And this is from Chris Rufo. The latest, I guess, video drop uh, that uh, from all of these different executives where they were talking about how they can introduce these concepts more to your kids. And one of the other parts of this that I found really unsettling was this, uh, it, it was a huge audio soundbite. I'm not going to play all of it, but basically they were talking about how they felt that Gen Z was the most susceptible to these messages. And so that's what they were focusing all of their marketing and everything on was introducing these concepts to Gen Z. This is what parents are up against. Welcome back to the program. Your lovable curmudgeon here, Dana Lash. I'm really excited about this book. I read the whole thing already. Uh, and it's a fabulous book. Uh, my good friend, Stacy Washington, I've known her for, I don't even know how long I've known Stacy. Over a decade, at least over a decade. And I've always felt that Stacy is one of the most reasonable, yet joy-filled voices out there. She has the mother's wisdom. She has the... 
uh, wit, and she's got the female because she's she's a I'm a biologist. She's a woman, and I really have always loved her her perspective on these issues. And she came out with a book. It's called Eternally Cancel Proof. And I first off, I love the co- I've read the whole and I mar- marked it all up. So if anybody borrows this, I'm really sorry. Uh, I love the cover, but uh, it's a guide for courageous Christians navigating the political battlefront. And she touches on all of these issues because parents are they've discovered something that they object to and now the issue is how do they address it and that's what stacy explores in this book stacy washington joins us now via skype on the radio program and simulcast stacy good to see you my friend and congrats on your book i love this this is a fantastic book and i'm going to talk to you about it with all these issues i'm so glad that you wrote this thanks for joining me Thank you for having me. I've been so excited all day, bouncing off the walls and telling people like, um, I'm going on Dana today. So get your get your ear holes ready because we're going to be together again, like the good old days. Yes, <laughs> like the good old days. And I, I'm like I said, I'm so glad that you wrote this. We have kids that are kind of around the same age and our kids are older kids. And I'm I'm this is just so weird. You've been speaking about this for quite a bit. I. I don't know if I've ever seen a push like this. And now Disney mainstreaming it. Um, I wanted to get, first off, your reaction to what you heard in that video. And then I'm going to talk to you. I want to get into this through through your book because you really have a lot of amazing points in this book. I don't want to give it away, but I want people to know why they should get it and, and how you address this. So, you know, Dana, when you talk about our kids, I remember being at your husband's place, Shock City, years ago, and your kids were running around in the background. And if you'd said to me then, oh, by the way, um, they're going to be grooming children for sexual content. They're going to be right. talking to kids about LGBT sex. They're going to actually have programming that normalizes it for kids. They're going to target the kids. I just said, yeah, not in America, because, you know, parents are pretty in control here and we, we, we know what's up. But that's exactly what they're doing. And I, when I was researching how to talk about this, how do I, how do I talk to parents about this? Because you know how it is doing radio, you come across a lot of information, but not all of it is what a parent needs to navigate this. And I found that there's actually the exceptions to obscenity laws. Any teacher, any educational institution can simply say this sexual content, this pornographic content, these cartoons showing a man and a child having sex can actually um, have a literary or educational value. And therefore, as a teacher, I'm immune to you complaining about it. I can provide that content to your kid. So the American uh, Library Association started it. They said that to keep this content from kids was discriminatory because children should have the right to decide for themselves whether or not they consume sexual content. And so they put it all through the library anywhere that children could go in the children's section. And then of course, who follows the ALA? public schools. And so they did it in their libraries. So of course, Disney feels not just uh, empowered, but obligated to follow these cues because we as parents weren't exactly sent an email or an opt-out form or a notification about this content. So, you know, when you talk about the time that I spent talking about this, Mm. it's been a lot of time I've talked, but I felt like I had to put it in a book because that way someone can find it without me telling them. Someone can actually take it home and ruminate over it. And it's kind of rough, but I also include the scripture in here because mm. 
as people of faith, we need that to empower us to fight back against this nonsense. That's absolutely true. And of course, Stacey's written a lot about faith issues as well. Uh, she's the communications director for Family Vision Media. And you might have also seen her. She was also a co-chair for uh, Black Voices for Trump as well. You were there in that Rose Garden when all that happened. I remember why I saw you on TV when that man was yelling at everybody. Oh, I was um, watching. I saw all that. You were at that super spreader event. Remember that Rose Garden? I, I, was, I was in Tulsa where, you know, people caught COVID and we were supposed to be killing people. Yeah, that was me. I was on C-SPAN. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> and, and I want to add, Stacey's also a radio talk show host, a fantastic one in her own right as well. You mentioned something. I want to pull this chapter out because I love that you didn't make any apologies about this. And the book that we're talking about is Eternally Cancel Proof. Uh, you said uh, you were talking about, you know, you just mentioned indoctrination. What this was, uh, I'm pulling my notes up here. Indoctrinating your kids is your job. Yeah, And I love that you're just like, yeah, that's your job as a parent and you're not apologizing for it. Indoctrinating your children is your job. And you said something. You said uh, 18 summers is all you got, parents. 18 summers is it. That really puts it into just really sharp perspective. You are as the parent. It makes me cry when I I eat. My kids are already all in college. So my 18 summers are up. But the youngest one is 18. And when I wrote that down, I actually got a little, like I got a little misty eyed because I was thinking about how many times over the course of their childhood, I would just hear them talking or look in on them and realize these aren't, these are not only not babies anymore. They're not little kids anymore. Now they're teenagers. Oh my goodness. Now they're all driving. Oh my goodness. Now they're all pulling out of my driveway to go off to college. And me and my husband are standing there with our little fat dog thinking, now what are we going to do? So, you know, you, you're, you're in the same boat. You love them so hard and you love them so much and you know them so well and we're sending them out into a world that it used to just be that we had to kind of worry about them maybe catching some lefty ideas. Right Now we have to worry about them catching um, gender confusion and there's an onslaught against just the idea of America, the idea of our country. And so- and you mentioned that I, I, you bring up, you write, and this is in your left writer biblical truth, which I love that concept. You're, you talk about how you have two very different divergent political platforms and two very opposing ideas. And I was thinking about this with the context of this this Florida bill, the, the parental consent bill, because it seems like consent is dead now on the left. You have parents that, you know, we raise our children we we with our taxpayer dollars forcibly taken we send them to school where we are partnering with educators to teach them and but we are still the ultimate authority in their lives whereas the state and i think a lot of the left nowadays believes that it's the state that actually has more authority in the life of a child than a parent and that by sending their children to school parents are forfeiting that right do you that's do you get that that that's do you, do you see that that's or feel that that's where we are actually at right now in terms of our kids and parents versus state? Yes. So do you remember saying on the radio, your kids are belong to us now? Yes. So that was so funny because you use the broken English to indicate how these are morons, but they really think our kids belong to them. So we give birth to them. We raise them. We send them to school with 250 numbers and 50 sight words. And then they're like, hey, kid, have you ever put a condom on a banana? That was a story way back when, and it was shocking. But everything that's going on now is so much more shocking. And so when you talk about how they view our kids, Hillary Clinton wrote a book about, you know, it takes a village. 
Um, it takes a village if that village is a church, because your church home is where you're going to find people who are going to help you in the rearing of your child. They're going to be the ones to bring you meals when your child is in the hospital. They're going to come over and maybe mop your floors and clean your bathrooms when your husband is sick and all you can do is take care of him. These are That's your village, if that's what we're calling it. But Hillary Clinton didn't mean that. She means that once your kids are in public schools, it's open season to indoctrinate them. And that's why it's our job to indoctrinate them. And indoctrination, of course, has a negative connotation, but the positive one is simply to disciple someone, to teach them in a certain way or thought pattern, a thought process, a way of living. And as Christians, we are actually supposed to bring our kids up in the way, which is Jesus Christ, to speak to them about him in the morning, the midday, the noon, the evening, at night. And it's not quoting scripture to them. It's just speaking truth to them. That is the true way of following Jesus is to follow the truth. So we have like kind of given away our power. Hmm. And those buildings belong to us. The kids belong to us. Everyone employed in the building is your employee. When they make capital improvements, they do it with your money. When they build new buildings, they do it with your money. When they pass bond issues, that's your money borrowed and then borrowed again. Everything about it is under our power and control. And we don't need permission. We need to actually exert our power and control because citizen is the highest office in the land. And so, you know, there's, there's so much we can say about it, but in the end, just like you don't allow me, like, think about it. If you came home and I was at your house already, like uninvited with my feet up on the coffee table, eating your ice cream, the, the ice cream you saved for yourself, I'm eating it. And you're like, Stacey, I mean, all love and respect, but what are you doing here? And I'm like, oh, I moved in. I'm, I'm here and I'm, I'm going to teach your dog new tricks. And I'm here to like change your furniture around. I've already ordered new things and I use your Amazon account. You'd be like, oh, you have to go. You have to get up out of here. And expletives might be used because that's not my role. They're in our house. Mm -hmm. They're talking to our kid. And the time for us to put a stop to it is now. We can't wait another day. I'm talking about checking out those pornographic books in the library. You just check them out and they're at your house. And if they buy new ones, you go check those out and they're at your house until you can actually force them to stop putting them there. You have to get them out of the building or your child can't be in the building. We're at that point. When Disney, whose primary consumer, Dana, is families like yours and mine, they're catering to a woke left mob that doesn't have any kids. They they obviously don't care about shareholder but value. It's gonna but it's going to kill I, kids. I stay. I want to play this audio soundbite for you, Stacey. Pete Buttigieg said this on the View. Was it just this morning? Yeah. This morning. I got to get your reaction to this. State of Florida, when the with the so-called "don't say gay" law now, um, which he says will kill kids. Do you agree? And you know, as a as a politician, because this this strikes you as you know your husband is a teacher okay. you are uh obviously lgbtq yourself and you are now a parent yeah so how do you feel about yeah he, he's right it's gonna kill kids somehow he's essentially accusing parents of potentially murdering their kids because they well so dana you know what um the the suicide rate among transgender children is actually very high and it actually spikes after they have the hormone therapy and the surgeries because they wake up and they Shut still have that. Yeah, but they don't have a body that is their own anymore. It's a body they don't recognize and now they still have the feelings. And so they then attempt suicide repeatedly and often they succeed. So the true killing of the children is happening from the left woke ideology that's being placed on them. These children need therapy. They need possibly, you know, they might need medication. They need love and care and assistance. They don't need to be taught anything more about sex if they're struggling with their gender identity, which by the way, uh, what, how we used to deal with that was we would allow girls to be tomboys and we would yeah. allow boys to go and they'd grow out of it. Right. That's how we used to deal with it. 
Yeah, well, that's how we that's how we would approach it. The other thing you add in the book is eternally cancel proof, a guide for courageous Christians navigating the political battlefront. And there's a lot of really good ways for parents who, you know, you identify and, and really not just parents either. And this is my last thing for you talking with our, our friend Stacy Washington. You can find her at Stacy on the right on Twitter uh, and her show Stacy on the right. You can hear on Sirius X and Patriot one twenty five. You also talk about 20-somethings having a good faith life, which I feel like a lot of people, a lot of like us parents, we don't talk about it because it it feels almost like um, parents are worried about discussing it because they're trying to attract children or or their children with moderation. uh, And so they don't want to feel like they're, but no, I think you should, you, I don't know how you can get through life without not having a good faith life. And that's part of, as you said, indoctrinating your kids, but also 20-somethings, you need to have that. Yeah, well, and the other thing is we're afraid to say, how is church this Sunday? Because we think that when they're in college, they're not going to go to church, but they will. If they think that's the expectation, they will. And so will they make it every Sunday? Probably not. They're going to maybe stay up too late gaming and they're going to miss some Sundays. But that doesn't mean you give up. You just keep the communication open. And with our kids, it's not me checking in and saying, did you go to church this Sunday? It's, hey, you know, how was church? And if they say, oh, we didn't make it. Well, let me tell you how it was here, you know, at Grace, where we go. And, you know, this is what Pastor Ron said today, and it was so good. Maybe you want to catch the video later. And then next weekend, you're home. Let's all go to church together and hit brunch afterwards because it's it's an experience. It's a whole day. It's not just, you know, sitting in the pew. Right. And I know you know this. I, I love that I, you said that. It is a day. Yeah, it's a day. And you tweet out, you know, get in the pew. I hope I see you in the pew this weekend. You, you, you generate that kind of, it's a community. It's online, but it's also in person. But within your family, how can, so I can't get through life without Jesus. How can I expect my 20 year old to, and she's in an onslaught, you know, she's about to graduate. Actually, we have one graduate. Oh my gosh. I know. I know. I, the last time you saw my kids, they were all super short. Now one's graduating. One's a junior, one's a freshman. And I tell you, Dana, I, I, there are times when I'm crying out to God because I got my own little problems I'm working through. And if I have to cry out to him, they certainly will as well. And as people of faith, there's no shame in that. There's no shame in saying to your child, Hey, I, you know, I noticed you haven't been to church in a while. Is there anything going on? Right. Is there anything I can pray for you for? Or FaceTiming them when they're freaking out about that test, FaceTiming them and saying, let's pray real quick. Let's let's take this to the Lord so you can get on with your day because I know how this is. I'm freaking out about my show tonight. I have no guests or I'm freaking out about, you know, whatever it is. So we got to let them know that's okay. And, it, and it's the openness that they respect. They actually yep. respect more that I'll tell them the truth my rougher times in my 20s, I've gone ahead and shared. And that is actually what strengthens the relationship when they realize it's, it's not yep. just my mom. And she's made a whole bunch of errors. And she's told me about a lot of them. And now I know she's real and I can tell her about my stuff. Exactly. So, the yeah. book is eternally cancel proof. And I love, by the way, just, you know, it's, it's, I love this, the, the reminder of redemption in the title to eternally cancel proof a guide for courageous christians navigating the political battlefront i've read it it's a great book my friend stacy washington find her stacy on the right listen to her show series sex and patriot congratulations as well on this book my friend it's so good to talk with you we got to have you back again i think this is a must read parents need to go and order it today good to see you we'll talk again soon we'll get together again soon good to see you congrats on everything Talk talk soon thank you my friend good to see you Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app, weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. So apparently there were zero guilty verdicts in the case of the uh, Gretchen Whitmer kidnap plot. Huh. Huh. I wonder, but the, uh, 
but the FBI is probably the most affected by that, considering they were involved. Remember that whole thing, IG report. Yeah, huge blow. Zero guilty verdicts in the case of the alleged plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Not guilty for three hung jury on an alleged ringleader via NBC. There you go. All right, folks. Is it time for today's stupidity? Yeah, yeah, it is, apparently. Go, go, King, go! The last fact here is that uh, if we were to cancel all of the debt that's out there, we would raise the wealth of black families in America by 40%. This is a racial justice issue. Oh, for the love. So canceling student debt is a racial justice issue. Yeah, it's it's actually like, like... We'll talk about that next week. We hope you have a great weekend. I will be back with you on Monday.